welcome. I hope you've had a fabulous week and I hope that uh, the conflict resolution that we spoke about last week is starting to make a little more sense um, now that you're putting it into practice because for the next four sessions what we're going to be talking about is dealing with stress and any negative emotions that crop up around stress. And I think that uh, with a lot of the couples that I was coaching, um, we would talk about this, you know, in about the third month, mostly because adrenaline can wear off at around this time. And what adrenaline will normally do is allow us to stay really firmly focused on our goals and not see any of the obstacles. But after a period, doesn't matter what kind of um, goal that you're setting, um, whether or not it's a physical goal that you're wanting to achieve or whether or not it's a financial goal or um, a social goal. In about the third month, normally what will happen is the obstacles will start to loom in a little bit um, greater and sometimes we can take our eyes off the actual prize of what it is that we're working towards and lay them um, quite firmly on the obstacles that are coming our way. And when that happens, um, I find is that the greatest amount of stress starts to kind of build up and build up and all of us have a different tolerance level for stress and all of us have a different reaction and response time around stress. And I really want to delve into this quite clearly because as couples um, we always seem to counterbalance each other until we actually uh, start to divide our attentions and work against each other. And I found uh, for myself that this was probably the time where um, there was the greatest amount of threats. The first threat was that I wouldn't achieve my goal because I had taken my eyes off the, off the prize. But the second threat um, that probably loomed a little bit greater was that I started uh, seeing um, Kent as the enemy. He was there to be the dream crusher, to, to start asking questions that were um, felt a little bit like daggers straight to the heart. And I started to go into self-justification. And once I was in justification mode, no matter what he was saying, it didn't matter what intention it was coming through, I had now placed um, around myself almost like a box. And because I was in the box, I was unable to be able to see him as an ally that was working with me um, because I wasn't able to view him anymore as a supporter or a person that was on my team. And I think that that's probably the first instance that um, we would call that a tap. When I was a, a, an action coach, Brad taught me the analogy of driving down the highway and sometimes our car goes a little bit off track and we might touch one of the cat's eyes in the middle of the highway and we hear the boom and that's enough for us to correct. Okay, so what we're trying to do is to, to catch the taps that are happening within your business around psychological stress and correct very, very quickly. And we're going to go through some techniques that um, have worked for, my, for me, but has also worked for Kent and um, have worked for many, many couples that we've shared them with. If we don't adjust to the taps, what can tend to happen is we, we continue on um, not really um, worried too much about the short-term effects of that, uh, that tap, whether or not that is that I, I saw Kent more as my enemy as opposed to my supporter. And we can hit what we call a four by two, which, which might mean that um, now we're moving on to a little bit more silent treatment or we're having um, you know, a lot more conflicts around money 
or what it is production-wise that's happening with time. Um, it might be avoidance that you start to see and we call these types of symptoms the 4 by 2s that means we've overcorrected from the cat's eyes and we've almost hit one of the posts that's on the highway um, and a 4 by 2 across the back of the head is designed to wake us up and I think life has a funny way of waking us up sometimes um, you know when we're in a, a stressful situation it feels as if the obstacles are coming thicker and faster thicker and faster and in fact when I'm out of my box I can very clearly see for others that they are designed to be able to ask a better question to step outside of themselves and say well if all this stress is coming from this direction are you absolutely certain that this is the goal that you should be moving towards and so it's a good opportunity for us to really reassess and realign and ask more important questions and get commitment towards the strategies that are going to take us through those four by twos and really strengthen our vision and our resolve and of course in the process strengthen your relationship. The third type of, um, of psychological stress that may come your way if we ignore those taps and we ignore those four by twos are what are referred as Mack trucks. And you know, if you think about a Mack truck um, on the highway of life coming in the opposite direction and literally bowling us over. And so these can be uh, major health scares. They can be ultimatums within our relationship, meaning if, if you don't spend more time with me, then I'm not going to be sticking around. Um, they can be um, relationship pressures outside of the family, so um, maybe friends dropping away or arguments that are occurring. There could be challenges between relationships with children, um, losing respect from, um, from kids or, or withdrawal of love, those types of things are major Mack trucks. And they are all designed, once again, to wake us up to start asking a better question around our conflict resolution and to start to understand that the psychological stress that comes is a form of emotional intelligence that will be building within us. And I've got a mentor that calls it wire brushing. Um, she says, wow, everybody needs a certain amount of wire brushing to toughen us up on the outside in order to continue and be successful in business. But the idea is always to have a tough skin and a soft heart. And I think it took me a few years to actually recognise that my heart was hardening a little bit with the psychological stress that I was receiving because I cared so much what other people think. And so part of my psychological stress that I had to overcome was this form of compulsive thinking disorder that I had um, labelled myself with. Um, it was competitive thinking disorder and it was also comparative thinking disorder. And so the path that I'd taken, I was constantly doubting. I was looking side to side, looking at other people who seemed more successful, who seemed more at peace, who seemed to have more joy in their relationships, who seemed more focused on their goals than I was. I was looking side to side to people that had stayed in the employee um, box that seemed to have a lot of disposable income and a lot of um, free evenings and weekends and there was a, um, a bit of jealousy that would rise up, um, quite a lot of um, resentment, um, quite a bit of anger that I wasn't getting the result that I had been promised. And I think that that um, was probably the greatest challenge and why I remained in that box was that the compulsive thinking disorder was constantly trying to find somebody else to blame 
um, and a way that I could remain in denial about my own ownership level um, of the goals that I had set for myself because it almost felt as if I had fallen accidentally into business. It was never, um, if I went back through, through my childhood, it was never actually a choice that I had deliberately set and made. It was almost as if it was something that was pushing me or pulling me towards and um, I'd just kind of woken up there and ended up there. And, um, and that can be a little bit scary when we're a bit uncertain or not getting the results. And so the psychological stress that I was experiencing was in the form of this compulsive thinking disorder. It didn't feel as if I had much time at all to be really present. I was spending a lot of time beating myself up for the past mistakes that I'd made or past decisions that I'd made. Um, if I wasn't in the past, then I was in the future. Um, dreaming of a time when there was going to be enough time and money to be able to do what I wanted when I wanted. And so therefore I was lacking the power that I needed to move myself in that direction because I was splitting my focus from the past, the present and the future. And when I was in the present, then there was so much stress that was there in the form of anger that I was definitely causing my body um, to run on what's called serotonin and so I was you know putting my health at risk by not allowing myself to um, to move through this phase um, quickly by listening to the guidance that I was hearing from my partner and certainly from my family members um, because they just simply didn't understand because remember they were the enemy so I think that um, I come with a lot of sympathy and a lot of empathy for um, the business owners that are certainly have put themselves in this box. But I also, having um, worked my way out of that box and being able to support others through this, have a lot of empathy and a lot of sympathy for the supporters and the spouses of people um, that are placing themselves under this psychological stress. And I think that that is part of what wisdom is. It's realizing that you know once we've experienced life, then we can gain our own feelings and our own adaption methodologies for getting through those periods. And it's very difficult to do that from the passenger seat. And so you know when I was um, acknowledging the fact that that this had become my reality, that I was stressed um, maybe 99% of the time, um, it was too big a um, I guess a challenge to deal with it on my own and I needed to find some very strong mentors and some coaches to be able to um, see me through that process and that's certainly what I found and um, and what I did was hand over the challenge to them uh, first thing that I had to do was trust somebody that had walked where I was attempting to walk and um, for somebody who is a very dominant personality, um, cares so much about what other people think, that was a great challenge for me to surrender um, to that challenge to say, look, what, what I know is not working. So obviously, other people must know something else for it to work. And for me, it was about having an experience in life that I was searching for. It wasn't about the having um, or necessarily even um, at that stage the doing it was more about who I was becoming and I think that you know the question that I'd like you to ask at this stage is you know out of a scale of you know one being not happy and ten being extremely happy how happy are you 
in your being at this moment. And if you had to sum up that experience that uh, business being brought into your life is giving you, um, can you see that it changes based on your experiences? And certainly that's what I was finding was that roller coaster ride was happening based on my experiences of the day. It had nothing to do with the internal workings of who I was. It was all dependent on what was going on around me. And as, as soon as I started to understand that um, that, that was happening in my life, I, I had a, a starting point. Okay, so um, let's use the example. Kirik Ashley, when I went to a, a seminar of his, and um, he's an excellent teacher. He, he taught a, a, a situation where you can be in a shopping centre and you get out of your car and uh, you get a park right at the front doors, which is, you know, doesn't that set your day off fantastically? So you get a park right outside and you get out of your car and on the ground is a $100 note that somebody's dropped and you pick it up and you go in and you have to check the mailbox and in the mailbox is a, a letter that you've received from a friend that you haven't heard of in ages with lots and lots of good news and you come back outside and um, somebody has um, left a wayward trolley and it has leant against the car door and caused a tiny little scratch into the car door. Now how do you react and respond to that little tiny scratch? Okay, now let's consider another scenario. So we drive into the supermarket and, um, and there's no car parks at all. In fact, you have to park all the way down, down the end. And so when you get into the mailbox, you realise that um, you've lost $100. So it's fallen out of your, of your wallet. You're sure that it was there. So you've lost your money. And then you go to the mailbox and all there are are bills. Okay, so you, you head back to your car and there is a trolley, a wayward trolley that has ended up on your car door. How do you react and respond in that moment? So I think you'd agree that, you know, the actual what's happened is exactly the same with the trolley. However, what's happened prior to that can make a massive difference in our reaction and our response levels. And when we're in business, what we'll tend to find is that our emotional intelligence must be tested and expanded so that each individual happening that occurs receives the same reaction and response as if it was the first thing that's happened. Okay, so that was probably the first challenge that I set myself was to get myself into a place where um, my psychological stress was becoming under control and the things that happened to me in a day weren't causing me to victimise myself and create a cycle of attracting more victimisation. Okay, so when I started to recognise that it was all um, based on what was happening inside of me, then I stopped seeing Kent as the enemy and I started to be able to see that I could control and in fact I could um, find out what the keys to success were for me to feel great and topped up every single day and so whatever was coming at me in the day I was able to gracefully be able to conquer those hurdles and if you're a male you might want to say that you you are able to powerfully handle the obstacles that come towards you um, to ensure that you have the greatest amount of respect for those that are working within your team. 
Um, for me, I had gone down a path of trying to um, use a lot of masculine energy and gain respect from other um, males within the corporate world, the business world, um, people that were, I would have assumed, in competition to me. And I found that um, certainly for me that was the wrong track. Um, that put me into a whole different space of, of psychological stress when I actually recognised the fact that um, what were the female mentors that I had my eyes firmly on that I wanted to live like and I didn't have any. So the first um, thing that happened was that I started to change my ideal scenarios of what my life would be like based on my mentors and I made sure that all the mentors that I had my eyes fixed firmly on were the same gender as I was because it was no good trying to, um, to chase something that was never going to actually happen. I was never going to be a male, so therefore quite possibly having all the male mentors was causing a little bit more psychological stress. And so accepting the fact that you know, I'm unique in, in myself, however there are generalised principles that work for others, I was able to now step out and start to ask a bigger question, which is what do I want? What do I want my days to look like? what is it that I want my life to look like and what is the feeling that I like to have on a day-to-day -day basis and so to start moving away from this um, this psychological stress I needed to take some time every single day to get very very strict within a routine now with two small children that is probably the greatest challenge that um, that I've also had to juggle is that spreading myself so thinly, trying to be the best mum that I can be, the best entre entrepreneur that I can be, the best best friend that I can be, the best coach that I can be, you know, the best everything that I could be. It just, it wasn't all coming together and I was feeling that I was failing in every single role. And so, you know, I think that defining what it was ideally that success was to me meant that now I was filling my time with things that meant success to me because you probably have noticed if you don't fill your time then your time is still filled and so it's important that you empower yourself to be able to you know control the time frame of which you would like in every single day to do something for yourself to become a more stress-free person and Kent and I really supported each other in this. Um, he has two passions in life. One is riding his motorbikes and the second is cars. And uh, anything that he can do within those two areas calms him immensely and reduces psychological stress. So he doesn't need to go for a ride or, or drive a car. He could clean his bike or clean the car or, or buy a little knick-knack for the car. It didn't matter as long as it was um, connected with those two things you could see physically that his stress levels would decrease. So it was encouraging him to put aside some time every single week to be able to have some hobby time. For me, it was absolutely reading. Um, reading books um, is a huge thing that um, tops me up, but also keeps me very, very calm. Um, and you know hobbies that I, I have I'm, I'm a very social person so visiting people and um, just laughing is hugely important and I found that if I if I looked at the people I was surrounding myself with and the um, the things that I was actually um, doing with my time they were all very serious and they were quite serious perfectionist people and so what I was finding was that I wasn't getting that outlet to just be silly 
and to exaggerate my stories and to have people laugh at those stories, I'd started having that compulsive thinking disorder in my social time, worried about the reactions and responses I was getting from things I was talking about, and I was literally dimming that spark that um, once attracted friends to me in the first place. And so it's amazing what psychological stress in one area of your life can do to all the other areas of your life. So that once again was coming up in that happiness um, question of, you know, how happy was I feeling when I was out socialising would drop to maybe a one or a two because my, um, almost my conditioned response was listening for people that were criticising or listening for um, things that felt as if I hadn't measured up. And so there was a lot of pressure that I was placing upon myself and I needed to recognise that, that that was happening. So back to the strict routines. So what are some things that definitely worked was encouraging each other to have um, a little bit of time during the week um, for ourselves as individuals. Um, we started taking individual holidays for a period of about three years. And um, we'd always believed in having, you know, different separate holidays with other friends but we'd never really taken solitary holidays before and um, we certainly found that 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 was a huge um, step towards feeling a lot more calm about um, where we each were at because once you take that key person out of the household and allow them to go and do something that they've always wished that they could do or dreamed that they've, they could do um, it works in two ways. One, the person that's gone feels incredibly grateful that they um, you know, have supported and helped um, to get that goal that, uh, that they've set to be able to have that trip and, um, and taken away from the environment tend to be able to then see the great things from that environment when they're away from it for about a week or so. The other thing that would happen was that as the person that stays home, you start to recognise all the great things that that person contributes in the home that you've just taken for granted. And so we found that um, you know, having separate holidays was um, an exciting thing um, and it also meant that we could pursue other uh, goals that, that we didn't share together. So my husband would go to the... Um, to a fishing trip with his dad and some other friends or he would go to um, the the racing the motorbike racing so things that I had no desire um, to go and do with him and you know I would go to a health spa or a retreat or you know up to the beach with a friend or or something a little bit different just to take the um, monotony out of the routine to um, to be able to experience what it was like to be able to sleep in and and do what I wanted and read books and and not have any guilt whatsoever and it was amazing after day three or four how you pop out the other side of that and really get yourself right out of the box and start to appreciate each other even more. The other things that we started to add into our routine was um, blocking our day. So what I was finding was that three hours tended to be the optimal block for me. So I was fabulous for a three hour block. I was great at working for three hours. I was fabulous at being a mother for three hours. I was fabulous at socialising for three hours. Once I, um, I got to that three hour mark, I was okay and ready to move on to a different role. And everybody's different. So I've got clients that, um, you know, that get themselves into quite a bit of overwhelm and I'll ask them, how long does it take you to unravel from that overwhelm? And 
the best way to do it is to write a list of everything that's putting you into overwhelm and we're going to go through that in the next couple of weeks but have a look at the time that um, that is attached to those tasks and for me it was always three hours so I would get to a, a place where I would almost you know pop a fuse in my stress levels if I would go past about a three hour um, time block of things that I needed to catch up on and, um, and so that's a relatively short period of time to be able to, to block in every single week. Have a three hour safety block that is um, saying if I have achieved all of the work on a daily basis then that three hours is completely mine to do whatever I want with. Otherwise that three hours is my stopgap time in my default diary that means that I can actually catch up on myself and lower my psychological stress and there'd be a reward attached to that. So it just got me into a routine as a business owner that I didn't have anybody nagging me to get my work done and I certainly didn't have anyone that I was 100% accountable to if I didn't get my work done because remember I was very good at the self-justification, blaming others and being in denial. So it meant that, you know, for me I needed to step up and to the next level on every single role. For Kent, it meant that um, you know we needed to get alignment um, around that psychological stress because sometimes I wasn't able to catch myself um, when I felt that that was coming on. So it might be that he would pick up some patterns in me that I'd stop eating or that I wouldn't do my exercise or that I wasn't setting my day up correctly. And once he could see that that routine um, wasn't kicking in for a couple of days in a row, he was able to address that situation before it got out of control. And, um, and what that meant was that he was able to be that true supporter um, and I could see him as that supporter as opposed to get myself completely out of control and then attack him as to why it was that I wasn't in my routine, which was what was happening. So when we start to um, get ourselves into a strict routine, it's important that then um, we just build that as a habit. And that takes about 21 days to, to keep that habit, but it's got to be for the right reason. Okay, so I think that, you know, the other thing that um, was very important for us when we decided we would align and come together around this issue of psychological stress was that we had to acknowledge the fact that um, we needed to start seeing each other as people and not as objects to get us closer to where we wanted to be. And there's a fabulous book called Anatomy of Peace by the Arbinger Institute and they, um, they're a coaching organisation out of the United States and they deal with change management and leadership and self-deception. And when I read this book, it was just the greatest um, aha moment for me because what they identified was that so many people are at war with themselves and the psychological stress that is occurring is actually happening within them. And therefore, we're actively on the outside trying to attract that chaos to ourselves to be able to stay at war. And so the first step is really to, to get to a place where our heart is absolutely at peace and we honour the decisions that, that crop up on a moment-to-moment -moment basis um, as opposed to betray them and then try to justify the fact that we're betraying them. And um, after I read that book it really made sense to me that I needed to trust my gut instinct a lot more and start to realise that what was right for me was not necessarily right for everybody and I had to stop surveying 
because what I was doing was going home and asking Kent, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And of course he would have an opinion on those and most of the time I wouldn't agree because that was his truth for him. And so as I would go against that advice that he'd given me, eventually I'd just shut him down. Because why would he give me advice if I wasn't willing to take it? It was disrespectful and it was hurtful for him. And so I literally shut down our relationship and caused a lot of the psychological stress that I was trying to avoid. And so there came a time when I had to go within myself and realise why was I causing a lot of that resentment and a lot of that um, conflict within the home. And that's what I want to talk about over this next few weeks um, with you is ways in which we decrease this psychological stress but using real life examples to, to open up a discussion between um, yourselves as partners to figure out what are your patterns what is it that you um, react and respond to? What is it that frustrates you within your communication? Is it the fact that your partner's surveying but not then taking that advice? Or are they surveying and only taking your advice and then blaming you for the result? Um, I think it's very important that we start to open up around this area if we're truly going to be aligned as couples because we each do different um, activities based on our past. And when we were certainly dealing around money, um, we had completely different past experiences with money as we were growing up. And so it made sense then that we were going to have different reactions and responses um, in this present moment when we were dealing around psychological stress with money. And that went through the entire um, gamut of experiences, whether it was health, whether it was social, whether it was family. Um, we had different reactions and responses and so I had to get to a place where I didn't need to survey anymore I needed to learn how to trust my own instincts and I needed to follow through on those instincts to be able to um, you know get a result for myself that I could own and that is a great journey that we're about to take and so I really look forward to encouraging you this week to have a look at um, rating yourself on a happiness scale and then having a look whether or not that happiness is coming from an internal source or whether it's coming from an external source and start to realise that your routine that you're keeping every single week and encouraging your um, spouse to keep as well is going to be a huge secret to your success as you move through this next seven or eight months in business. So I wish you all the best for that this week and look forward to catching up again next week.